We've been going through the Holy History. The theme for this series is found in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 11. It says, these things happened to them as examples for us and were written down for our instruction upon whom the end of the ages have come. All of these events that took place with Israel in the Old Testament are not just history, they're his story. It's God's interaction and intervention in human history. God's plan to bring the whole earth to himself, to bring all the people of the earth to be a part of his kingdom. Before we jump into the message today, I just want to remind you of uh, what is going on with our holiday schedule. And uh, Erica, you'll see that uh, if you take that off of uh, the presentation mode, that all of these are in the the announcements. Um, First of all, I, I have done a horrible job of really kind of getting enthusiasm and signing people up for this, and I didn't get a graphic or anything like that. But we are going to be here next Friday for our version of Christmas on the Square. It's going to be a stripped-down version, uh, but it'll be a lot like what we normally do up here when they're having the big Christmas on the Square out there. Obviously, that's a disaster right now, so that won't be happening again until next year. But what we'll do is I'll make some hot chocolate. Um, we'll have some desserts, and what I'd love to do is have you bake something, whatever it is. And by the way, did you know today is National Cookie Day? Apparently it is. I almost baked you cookies, but then it was too much work, so I didn't. Um, But in any event, next Friday, starting at 7, and what I'll do is I'll play all of the old cool uh, Christmas cartoons that uh, I used to watch when I was younger, and I think most of these guys like them, and those will be up here. Um, and we'll eat some desserts, drink some hot chocolate. So it's just kind of an enjoyable time of fellowship. The kids will enjoy watching the cartoons. You guys can enjoy eating some desserts and chatting away with each other. And uh, that is next Friday at 7 o'clock, 7 to 10. We're going to, normally we do a Christmas Eve service, but long ago we did a Christmas Eve Eve service, and there were logistical reasons for that. But we're going to go back to that this year because Christmas falls on what day this year? Sunday. Sunday. I'm not canceling church on Christmas Day. I'm really, really sorry about that. I know it's a big family day, but what is Christmas, by the way? It's Jesus' birthday, right? Okay, so Sunday is the Lord's Day, the reason we worship on Sunday, and that doesn't mean you always have to worship on Sunday. There's churches that have, you know, worship services on Saturday night and all this different sort of stuff. But the reason we worship on Sunday is because Sunday's the Lord's Day. That's the day that Jesus rose from the dead. That changed everything. That's why we worship on Sunday. And the reason we have Christmas, sure, there's all of these other fun things, right? Santa and toys and elves and all this stuff. But that's just all a part of the fun for kids. The real reason for Christmas is who? Jesus, right? Did you ever hear that old saying, Jesus is the reason for the season? He is. So we're going to be here on Christmas morning at 11. There won't be any Bible study. The service will last probably about the length of the service lasts. So I'll try to be short because I know we've got a lot of stuff going on that day. Um, but there are a couple of other uh, events that are coming up um, before and beyond that. And they're, they're ladies' events. So I, uh, where, where is Rachel, by the way? Oh, there you are. Uh, Rachel will come up here, and I'm going to have her uh, quickly announce these uh, particular events. One of them is uh, a ladies, what is it, a brunch or something of that sort? Yeah. Uh, yeah, there, is, uh, there are graphics for these, uh, Erica, in the, uh, the worship bin. 
All right. So um, I already posted it on Facebook for any ladies who are on there. We have a little Life Well Ladies group. Um, but we're going to have a potluck the 17th at 10 a.m. So um, just to kind of recap the year, have a good time together, talk about next year, maybe some ministry ideas, um, service things we can do. So everybody bring a brunch dish and we'll be up here. Um, probably set up in the back, but somewhere up here eating and having fun together. And then... Is there another one? I actually bought some tickets because I know this is going to sell out. And so um, this is not necessarily technically a church thing, but um, this is a concert with Torn Wells. I actually saw him with Jubilee a few weeks ago and it was amazing. And this will be more of a, obviously there's lots of people going to be there, but the tickets are $20 a piece. So it's not until January. But like I said, I went ahead and bought them because it was going to sell out. So we'll, if anybody wants to go, let me know until we have 15 people. And I think there's one more. Uh, this is something that Aquina shared. Um, I actually went with her to a luncheon to this ministry called Someone Cares. It's an abortion aftercare ministry. And um, just amazing. God, I, I went to, they have luncheons at homes. And so there was only about like 10 or 12 of us there. And we got to hear stories from women who have gone through, they kind of have this program that they do that, helps women who have had an abortion kind of work through that, grieve through that, um, and then hopefully find healing and grace on the other side of that. And so if you have experienced something like that, or if you know anybody who has, um, they're having a retreat in January. You can go to the website to find out more information. I don't have the specifics, um, but I can get them for you also if you're interested, or like I said, know somebody else who would like to, um, because we know that, that that's not God's design, but obviously... We also know that God is loving and merciful and graceful through all of our sin. So if that's something that has affected you or somebody you know, then this is something that would probably be very, very beneficial and helpful. So there you go. Amen. Thank you. So many things going on, and I don't know them all, and I think that uh, Rachel would be a better uh, promoter of these women's events than me in any event. Um, all right, so we're going to pray together. Um, and uh, we'll launch into this message. Father, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather around your word, to be in fellowship with one another. I pray that you will strengthen uh, the people that are here, uh, but we need your strength. We need to depend upon you and uh, realize that we, we receive power from you, uh, well, kind of like our, our cell phones that we call around. And as in the skit, we saw that we kind of maybe turn them into idols. They have to be plugged in or they die. And we need to stay plugged into you. You are the source of life or we die. We die, first of all, spiritually, and then we eventually just die. So I pray that uh, we will all receive life from you today. We will receive your word and that it will be a transforming word for our hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so um, Blanca lit the peace candle today. Uh, the first candle that was uh, we lit last week, uh, Miss Lily lit that one, and that's the prophecy candle or uh, the hope candle. And this next candle, which is the, today's the second Sunday of Advent, is the peace candle, and it represents the testimony of the angels. So the first week was the testimony of the prophets, and I showed you the line of redemption or the line of salvation going through Scripture that really the entire purpose of holy history is to bring about the birth of Messiah who gives us all access to the kingdom of God, 
so long as we come through him. So this week is the testimony of the angels. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to keep up with uh, what I've been doing and go into the Old Testament and look at various stories related to the angels. And there are a lot of them. So I thought, no, I don't want to just do a lesson on angels, even though this is about the testimony of the angels. I'm going to focus on uh, the angelic birth announcements going from Old to New Testament. Now, there's not a bunch of them, but there are several significant ones, okay? First, though, before we get into that, let's understand what the word angel means. Now, when you think of an angel, what do you think of? You know, you might think of one of those little uh, figurines, those little cherubs that we would have, you know, purchased or I wouldn't have, but maybe some of you did. And, uh, you know, the little the, these are little babies, you know, like uh, painters like Raphael in the Middle Ages, you know, painted these little cute little angels. Let me just tell you, these beings that serve God and serve as messengers for God are not cute little babies, all right? Uh, God is called many times through Scripture the God of hosts, right? Or updated translations will help you understand what those hosts are. Hosts are huge numbers of army people. Right, so the God of angel armies, I think, as a matter of fact, uh, Chris Tomlin had a song in 2014 called "God of Angel Armies." So God is powerful. He's the commander. He's the creator. He's the God over these angel armies. We meet cherubs in the Old Testament, cherubim, and they are massive, scary angels, not little tiny babies uh, with little wings. Right? We meet seraphs, seraphim in the Old Testament, and that is a a, a word that just literally means fire. These are these are angelic beings that can only be described by saying they're just fire, okay? I've told this, you know, to teenagers and children and adults for many years. Every time somebody met an angel, they were virtually terrified, right? Um, they would fall down on their faces and the angels would always get them up. You see this twice in Revelation. The angels would always get them up and say, don't worship me, worship God. But they're, they're very, very powerful beings. However, the word angel comes from the Greek word angelos, and it just means messenger, right? Uh, similarly, in uh, Hebrew, the word uh, malach is, it means the same thing. It means a messenger. So they are named uh, by what they do. They're God's messengers to the world. So I went into the Old Testament and I took a look at uh, some of these birth announcements. I had remembered several of them. Um, and uh, the first one is the angel of the Lord appearing to Hagar in the wilderness to announce the birth of Ishmael. So I won't go into the, the extent of the story, but Hagar was Sarah's uh, maid, her servant, and Sarah couldn't have a baby. So back then, uh, her husband Abraham could go into uh, Hagar, and Hagar would have his baby, and then Sarah would raise it as hers, but it didn't work out the way she wanted it to, all right? These little human con contrivances that we come up with don't really work out, right? Uh, you know, polygamy didn't work out too well. These women were always fighting with each other over their husband. Uh, you see it throughout the Old Testament. And this idea didn't work out either because Hagar started looking down on Sarah because Hagar knew that this is her baby, Right? Um, even though legally Sarah was going to get to raise it as hers, it was Hagar's baby. And so she looked down on Sarah and Sarah got mad and kicked her out. 
So she's in the middle of the wilderness and an angel appears to her and says, no, you know, you're going to be fine. And you're going to call this child Ishmael, which sounds like the Lord hears, right? So this wasn't the chosen child, Isaac. And yet here's a birth announcement from an angel to this, uh, this servant of the Lord who was a servant of Sarah, all right? Right Then the angel of the Lord appears to Abraham and promises that Sarah will actually give birth to her own baby in her old age. Now, you need to understand, when Sarah had Isaac, she was 90 years old. We, ladies in the room, do you think you're going to be having a baby when you're 90? No, no. Right, there, are, there are biological things that happen that prevent that, but God is the God of the possible and the impossible. And so that's exactly what happened. Um, Isaac just means laughing because when Sarah, this elderly lady, heard that she was going to have a baby, she laughed. And the angel said, uh, is that Sarah laughing? And she said, no, I didn't laugh. No, nonetheless, you, you, you did laugh. So she has a bouncing baby boy named Laughing, right? That's what the name Isaac means, right? Isaac, the laughing boy. Yeah, big smile. All right. Then the angel of the Lord appears to Samson's mother to announce his birth, even though she was infertile, right? The, the word, the Old Testament word for this is barren, right? Um, but she was infertile. She couldn't have a baby. So the angel of the Lord appears to her as well. And uh, it's very interesting because the angel only wants to talk to her. She goes to her husband and she says, that, you know, th- this this man of God appeared to me, this angel appeared to me and told me that I was going to have a baby. And, and so he says, okay, well, you know, find out what we're supposed to do. And, and so the angel won't appear to him, right? His name is Manoah. And what's weird is we don't know her name. We just know his name. And yet the angel only appeared to her. So here's two instances out of three in the Old Testament where the angel of the Lord appears to the woman and tells her that she's going to have a baby. Well, we covered Samson briefly. Um, Samson is the famous strong man from the Old Testament, right? Uh, The one with the long hair. The reason that he had the long hair was because he was uh, dedicated as a Nazarite from his birth. And that's one of the things that the Nazarite did. Uh, the Nazarite grew his hair and did not cut it until the end of the Nazarite vow. Well, Samson was a Nazarite from birth. He was always a Nazarite, so he was never supposed to cut his hair. So that's the, you know, what is behind Samson cutting his hair and losing his strength. It's not that his hair with his, was his strength. It's that his hair represented his dedication to God, which he had given up for the sake of a woman, for the sake of this woman named Delilah, okay? Now, I want you to notice something. I said each time these announcements, these announcements were made, the one to Hagar, the one to Abraham, and uh, the one to Samson's mother, that this was the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord. The angel of the Lord is identified as God. This is a pre-appearance of Christ, right? This is a pre-incarnate, that is a pre-enfleshment appearance of Christ. We call this, uh, this kind of appearance a theophany. Say that, right? And it's just, uh, it, it's, a, it's a Greek word that means the God appears, the appearing of the God. So we believe that this is a pre-appearance or an appearance of the pre-incarnate Christ in each of these situations. Not on a, now there were other angels who came and did God's bidding. But during each of these birth announcements, who is making the announcement? 
It's Christ. It's Jesus who's making the announcement. He appears in human form, and he makes the announcement to each of these individuals, all right? Um, now let's shift over to Christmas. You heard the very famous passage uh, that Blanca read just a moment ago, um, where the angel who identifies himself uh, to Zechariah as Gabriel, uh, this angel appears to Mary and tells her that she is going to have a baby. And she says, well, how will this be? I am you know, not married. I'm engaged, but I'm not married. All right. And these days people just do all kinds of stuff. But you know what? In Israel and back then, if you were unmarried, you didn't do anything right? Even if you were engaged, you didn't mess around. You didn't do anything. So she was a virgin. She had never known a man and she knew how things worked. She said, how am I going to have a baby? How's that going to happen? And you heard it from the text. The, the, the power of the most high will overshadow you. The Holy Spirit would bring about uh, the seed. If you go back to last week and, and remember what I said and what I pointed to, um, we are told that the seed of the woman would crush the head of the serpent, of the devil. And we all know the woman doesn't have the seed. She has the egg. The man has the seed. Well, God supplied that through the Holy Spirit. So there wasn't a separate man. And she said, well, I don't understand how this is going to happen, but so be it to me, whatever the Lord wants, okay? And the statement there that I love, that I latch onto in that birth announcement with Mary is all things are possible with God. Why don't you say that? So whatever impossible thing you're facing right now, whatever impossible thing you think God may be leading you to do, if it is God who's leading you to do it, he will supply the strength. He will make the way, okay? So um, that uh, announcement was made to Mary, okay? And then Gabriel appears also uh, six months or so prior to uh, appearing to Mary, um, he appears to Zechariah the priest, and Zechariah is offering up his service inside the temple in the holy place. If you remember several weeks ago, we talked about Solomon's temple and how it was divided. You had several outer courts, and then you had an altar, and then you went in through the first door, and it was the holy place, and that's where the priests did their work, in the holy place. And then there was the holy of holies, only, only the high priest entered there. Well, Zechariah was in the holy place, and he was offering incense. Incense represents prayer whenever it's mentioned in Scripture. He's offering incense in there, and an actual angel appears to him, and of course, it scares him. It really scares him. Uh, just like I said, every time an angel appears. But... Um, he and his wife, Zechariah and his wife Elizabeth, had the same problem that Manoah and his wife had. They were infertile. They couldn't have a baby. Now, that can be devastating even in our day, but back then it was just they thought it was a sign that God had cursed you, right? Uh, maybe you had done something wrong. So it was, it was very, very shameful for a couple not to have a baby, um, you know, today we would just say, well, they just, that's their choice, all right? Um, but nonetheless, you need to understand what was happening. Well, Zechariah and Elizabeth, uh, just like Abram and Sarai, Abraham and Sarah, as God changed their names, um, were beyond the age of being able to have a baby. They were too old, right? So the angel appears and says, no, your, your wife is going to have a baby, and you're going to call him John. And Zechariah doubts him. And he says, I'm Gabriel. This is the angel speaking. He says, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. And I've come here to tell you this. So because you didn't believe me, you're not going to be able to speak. If you can't listen, you don't have anything to say. 
wow. And so, boop, he couldn't talk. He walked out and, you know, it was obvious that to everybody that, you know, the other priests that were outside, that he'd seen something in the temple and that something had deeply upset him and he couldn't speak. Well, sure enough, Elizabeth is pregnant. And when Mary receives the announcement that I uh, mentioned earlier that Blanca read, uh, Mary goes and visits Elizabeth. Now get this, okay? The scripture says that the baby jumped inside Elizabeth's womb when Mary came into the room. Because see, John, that is the name of the child, Zechariah and Elizabeth's baby, would be John the Baptist. You've heard of him, right? And he was the forerunner to Jesus. John the Baptist pointed to Jesus, right? Said, prepare the way of the Lord. And while John the Baptist was still just a little tiny fetus inside his mother, he jumped and recognized who he served. He recognized the Messiah. Wow. Uh, It has been said, and rightly so, that the first person to recognize Jesus was a preborn baby. Lock that down in your thinking. Okay, Um, so uh, finally, it comes time for Elizabeth to give birth. Uh, By this time, Mary is probably about six months pregnant, and Elizabeth, it comes to her time to give birth. She gives birth to the baby, and of course, Zechariah can't speak, and this is, you know, a very patriarchal culture, so the the man decided the name of the the child, and it was invariably a name that related to one of uh, their ancestors, right? pretty typically the father or the grandfather. And a lot of us do that today. You know, name our children or their middle names after a, a, a parent or a grandparent or maybe a great-grandparent, right? And so um, Elizabeth said his name is going to be John because Zechariah couldn't speak. And they were like, ah, you're just a woman. You don't know what you're talking about. There's none of your relatives who were named John. And so they go to the dad. All right, come on, make the pronouncement. What is his name? Well, he can't speak. So he writes it down on a tablet. His name will be John. Guess what? At that point of obedience, he could speak. Oh, there's so many lessons here, and I don't have time to get into all of them, but they're so good, right? When you listen, then God will give you things to say and things to do, and when you don't, well, you're kind of stuck, right? And so they did exactly what they were intended to do, what they were told to do. Well, this is all what we find in the the, the run-up to the, the birth of Jesus, okay? Also, um, after Jesus is born, an angel appears to Joseph, but in a dream, and he instructs him to take Mary as his wife. Well, actually, I'm sorry. There, he, there are two dreams. The first is he instructs him to take Mary as his wife while she's still pregnant. She's told him that she has, uh, she has received this, this child from, from the Lord and through the Holy Spirit, and he doesn't know what to believe. He didn't have an angel appear to him. That's not the, the way things happen. And so he's going to put her away quietly, right? An angel appears to him in a dream and says, no, you need to take her as your wife because the child conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. So he believes. Then an angel appears to him in a dream a second time after Jesus is born and tells him that he needs to get out of Bethlehem and he needs to hurry uh, away into Egypt to protect the, the child because Herod, the king, is going to come after him. So there are a series of angelic birth announcements there. In each instance, when the angel appears, it's always peace, 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 right? Now, we also see uh, that, uh, and, and I'm not 
concentrating on this this week because next week is when I want to talk about this. But it was it were, was a group of angels that appeared to the shepherds and announced the birth of Jesus as well. So here are all these angels that are always appearing, making significant announcements that women are going to have these children. So I want to make several applications here. And uh, this is where my application notes begin, Erica. Um, the, the title of this message will become readily apparent in a moment, but Jesus is the messenger and the message. We see him as messenger in the Old Testament when he appears in all these instances as the angel of the Lord. He's the Lord's messenger. But we're also going to see that he is the message. But some, some application to what we've just looked at. First of all, all these angelic birth announcements prove that a preborn child is a human being made in God's image. Amen? All of them. That's the proof. If you have faith in the, in, the, in the Lord, then you understand that he creates us in his image, right? And so we need to begin with that understanding. A preborn child is a human being made in God's image. It's a baby, even though you may have made mistakes and it was unintentional, a baby is not a mistake and a baby is not a thing. It's a child, not a choice, all right? Secondly, apply this to you right? I don't know whether you were planned or unplanned. How many of you know you were a planned baby, right? How many of you think you were probably unplanned? Oh, a lot of you. No wonder you're part of this church. All right. We're God's holy rejects right here. (laughs) Uh, I don't know if I was planned or not, but nonetheless, here I am. But I want you to understand, regardless of what your your, uh, biological parents' intentions were, God planned you, amen? And God has a purpose for you. And that purpose doesn't disappear as you grow older. It doesn't disappear even if you've made mistakes, okay? Um, Whatever those mistakes are, you can always come back to the Lord. You can always make things right. You should understand that you've been created by God with a purpose. You are not a mistake. Say, I'm not a mistake. Next, your life is not your own. It's just on loan, right? Don't go all the way back to, to, to Samson, you know. Um, his mom couldn't have a baby. The Lord gave her the ability to have a baby, but the baby was Samson and he was going to have a purpose. Now, as you found out when we looked at Samson, uh, he was not the holiest of fellows and he made a lot of mistakes, right? But he was there for a reason. You're here for a reason. But Samson's life was not his own. He was a Nazarite from birth. You were created to worship God. That means you were created to serve God, not serve yourself. It is he who has made us and not we ourselves. We're to serve him. We're to worship him. Now, we don't like that, right? We don't like the idea of being a slave or even a servant. You know, it's my life is my own. I'm the captain of my ship. But the reality is the the people that have the most power and the most prosperity are also often very unhappy. Why are they so unhappy, right? Now, granted, if you're on social media, you know, you think everybody's life is perfect. But the reality is it's not. And, you know, th- this is the thing that I, uh, I, I don't know, I, I've looked at this for years, but uh, you'll see these, these child stars, right? These, these children who become celebrities. And some of them just become intolerable, right? But as soon as the, the cuteness wears off, right, they, they want to stay in that celebrity mode, you know, a la, you know, Hannah Montana, 
becomes Miley Cyrus and starts doing the things that, you know, she's been doing. I know she was always named that, but and this is several years back. But oftentimes they start doing some, you know, terrible things with their lives. Uh, I remember, so there's a new version of A Christmas Story that has just come out. Um, and uh, I, I watched it. I was going to play it. Uh, you know, for some friends and so forth. But I watched it, and it's okay. It's it's not great. But the original one is genius. Would you admit? Would you agree? I mean, the original one is just genius. Well, one of the kids in that original, cute kid, right, becomes incredibly famous. And then when he hits teen years, he's not cute anymore. So what does he become? Yeah, a Miley Cyrus. He becomes a porn star. Because it's like they, they just want that attention. They want people to keep looking at them and, you know, uh, following them and all of these sorts of things. I'm telling you, man, if your kid is talented and so, and so on, man, you better pray about a hundred times before you let them become, you know, some sort of a celebrity. And there are, there are chi- children who are celebrities online, right? Um, it, it's just too much pressure. Guys, we weren't intended to be worshipped. People aren't supposed to bow down to us. We're supposed to bow down to the Lord. Amen? All right. Um, and then, uh, the fourth application for you and I from the, these uh, angelic birth announcement stories is Jesus defines your primary purpose. In each of these cases, it was the angel of the Lord, not an angel of the Lord, but the angel of the Lord that came and made the announcement. Jesus defines your purpose. Okay. You don't just go wandering around or look inside your heart to discover your purpose. You look to Christ You are made in the image of God, and he's the perfect image of God, and that's who we need to look to if we want to see what our purpose is. Now, the primary purpose is for you to become a child of God. You say, well, I already am. Have you come to Jesus? Have you received him as your Savior? Have you been adopted into the family, right? You are created by God. You've you've been made in the image of God, but you're not a child of God until he adopts you into his family. That happens when you call upon the name of the Lord to be saved. It says in John 1, 12, to as many as received him, that's Jesus, to them he gave the right to be children of God, even to those who called on his name. If you want to be a child of God, you call on the name of who? Jesus, right? And then we get adopted into his family. Well, once you're, let's just assume that, uh, you know, think of yourself as, you know, I don't know, let, let's go to like Charles Dickens' era of England, right? Where all these children were, you know, running around and working in factories. And a lot of Dickens' stories were about uh, young boys and the, the, you know, their difficulties and troubles and you know, great expectations and all these other stories, right? Um, interestingly, great expectations is a good example of this because uh, this, this boy it becomes kind of a, a ward or adopted into the, the wealthy family of this very, very strange uh, person. Um, but I want you to imagine that you're one of those urchins from, you know, well, Charles Dickens wrote A Christmas Carol, right? So uh, you're, you know, one of those street kids and you're running around, you've got coal under your fingernails and you're begging and all this other stuff. And the King of England or the Queen of England depending on when this was. This is probably, uh, Dickens wrote during Victorian England, so it would have been Queen Victoria. And Queen Victoria adopts you as her child. Do you think she's still going to let you run around out on the street? No. Royals have a whole lot of rules that they need to go by. There are all these rules and protocols and so forth. I think that that's what's behind uh, the blowback with uh, Prince Harry. You know, he, he married a, a woman that was not a royal, 
and he doesn't want to go by all those rules, right? But the reality is there's just a lot of rules for royals to go by because they represent all of the people. They represent the nation. Listen, I'm trying to get across to you the idea that when you're adopted into God's family, you need to become like his primary child, and that's who? Jesus. You can't just do things the way you want to do things. Thank you for my salvation, Lord. Now I'm going to run around out here and act like everybody else in the world. No, because the world is going down. But if you come to Jesus, you're going up, and he wants to prepare you for that. So that's why it says, Romans 8, 29, those he foreknew, he knew you before you were born. He also predestined, if you're in Christ, you have a destiny to be conformed to the image of his son. You are supposed to be going through a process of sanctification. That means holy making, becoming more like Jesus, becoming a royal, right? You and I, who are in Christ, are called a nation of priests, a holy nation. That's what we're supposed to be doing, not just scraping by, not coming up with our own purpose, but following Jesus, all right? So, um, to the point of this particular message, Jesus is both the messenger and the message. Jesus is the supreme messenger of God, right? He is the angel of the Lord, but he is also called the word by John. Now, I'm, I'm praying about uh, doing a series through the gospel of John, and uh, I, I may do uh, several sermons that are a buffer between uh, now and the, the beginning of the year, but it's likely right around the beginning of the year, I'm going to do a series through the gospel of John. Here's the beginning of John's gospel. Jesus is called the word. Another way of translating that would be the message. That was Eugene Peterson's translation of the Bible. His, it's really not a translation, it's a paraphrase. But a lot of people like the message uh, paraphrase because it speaks to them. But the idea behind calling him uh, or calling his Bible the message, calling Jesus the message, is that he is God's communication to you. You want to see God? You want to know what God wants out of your life? Then you go to the Word. Here's the beginning. This is John 1, 1 through 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the word was God. All things were made by him, and without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not understood it. Well, see, it's appropriate that we light these candles during Christmas. And the last candle, the tall one, the white one, is the Christ candle. Jesus himself said, I'm the light of the world. But you know what else he said? He looked at his disciples, and he said, you're the light of the world. Well, how do I get to be the light of the world? I reflect the light. I don't produce my own light. I reflect the light, right? Jesus is the sun. I am the moon. You get it, right? No, I'm not talking just me. I'm talking about any of us who are in Christ. We're to be the light of the world. Unfortunately, we're doing exactly what Jesus said we're not supposed to do, which is hiding that light under a basket. He said, no. Your light needs to be up on the stand for everybody to see. He said, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. That's why for about a decade, I wanted our church to be called Zion. Zion is the, the people of God. It's another name for Jerusalem. It's the city set on a hill. I want us to shine our light so that everybody in the world will see. So Jesus is not only the supreme messenger, he is the message itself. Jesus is the one to whom we look and listen to in order 
uh, to know God and in order to understand God. I'm sorry, fellas. I'm sorry, ladies. There's not another way to God, okay? People say, well, how can you say that Jesus is the only way? That's so narrow. I say that Jesus is the only way because Jesus is the only way. If there were another way, I would say Jesus is a way. Maybe I would say he's the most important. But the reality is Jesus is the only one that has come from the Father, come to earth, lived a perfect life, died for your sins and mine. He who knew no sin became our sin that we might become the righteousness of God in him and then rose from the dead to conquer sin, death, and hell and now invites you to receive him and the gift of eternal life. That's why Jesus is the only way. He is also our mediator. He's the supreme messenger. He's the message, and he's our mediator, right? This is uh, found in 1 Timothy 2, 4 through 6. God wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. How many people does God want to be saved? All people, right? That's verse 4. For there is one God and one mediator between God and and men, humans, the man Jesus Christ, who gave his life as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. How many gods are there? How many mediators between God and humans are there? And that's the reality of it. That's what Christmas inaugurates, right? That's what it starts. Yes, man, it's wonderful, the baby in the manger and all that. But that baby grew up to be a man. And he preached the word. He taught the truth. He healed people. He, you know, raised the dead. And then he rose from the dead. And he will, he ascended to the right hand of God the Father, and he will enter your heart and your life and be born there just like he was born on that Christmas day. And then you enter into that process that I mentioned earlier and called sanctification where you're becoming more and more like him. Jesus is the way, and he's the only way to come to God. He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Peter said, "Uh, there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. There's no other name. It means there's no other person. So I've offered this to you today. If you've skipped away from this, you started going your own way, doing your own thing, then I'm offering this to you today, this opportunity to call on the name of Jesus and be saved. The scripture says that if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's Romans 10, 9. And then Romans 10, 13 repeats a verse that goes all the way back to Joel chapter two. It says, whoever will call on the name of the Lord will be saved. I want all of you to be saved. I want everybody who ever hears this message to be saved. But you need to know you've got to give up your rights and your life and offer it as a living sacrifice to God and invite him to take over. Why don't you do that today? Jesus is the messenger. Jesus is the message. Jesus is the mediator. Obey that message today. I'm gonna be down here at the front. If you'd like to pray, I would love to pray with you. Um, Before we start, let me just do this. If you've gotten away from God, if you've gotten kind of way out there in the wilderness, or if you've never really, really called on the name of Jesus to save you, then I want you to do that right now. I'm gonna offer a prayer you can pray. Now, a sinner's prayer can take a lot of different forms. What is necessary for a sinner's prayer to save you is for you to put your faith behind it. You gotta really want this. So I'm gonna pray a simple prayer. Listen to the words 
and then repeat the words if you believe. And if you call on Jesus, he'll save you. Here they are. Close your eyes, bow your heads. Say, dear Jesus, I believe in you. I believe you are the message. And I receive that message today. I open my heart. I invite you to come inside. Give me a new birth. Give me a new life. From this day forward, I will follow you. Make me into your image and prepare me for your place for the kingdom of heaven. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that, I want to know it. Go online. Uh, Our website is lifewellchurch.com. Click the feedback tab and say, hey, here's my information and let me know that you prayed that.